0: From Double J, it's the Take Five podcast. The people you love play the songs they love and tell you why.
1: Welcome back. I'm Zanro, and every week I invite someone great in to pick five songs around a particular theme. Music soundtracks our life and often triggers memories and moments that change the course of our lives for the better. Sarah Blasco needs little introduction. Over six albums, the singer songwriter has consistently pushed the boundaries of her art, all while anchoring what she does with one of the most transcendent voices in music. Her new album came after a period of writer's block. Pushing herself into new scenarios to break it, she took up a two week artist in residence in Western Sydney and created the bones of what would be depth of field. On the day of its release, with that in mind, I asked her to come in and take five with breakthrough songs, the tunes that had busted through a creative block and led her in new directions. We'll get to those in a tick, but I wanted to hear more about Sarah's own record and what role getting out of her comfort
0: zone played in its making. I think that that's what keeps it interesting, even if it's like a some little spark. Because, you know, essentially, you know, it's always me. It's always my voice, um, and so... I think it's interesting to kind of change the the landscape around that and I think that that's the beauty of, of being a solo artist is you can kind of change a little and then your voice is kind of the centre of, of things um, and your way of expressing things is sort of, is there and remains. Um, so if, you yeah. like getting uncomfortable? Yeah, I'm an uncomfortable person, <laughs> if the truth be told. With this record I really enjoyed the process of it probably more than any other record I'd done because I just worked at my own pace over about, you know, six months or more and I just, and I produced it myself and it felt like it was really in my own hands Mm. Um, and I felt that with each record but it was just a very nice pace and it was a really good vibe, you know, I mean that sounds really...
1: (laughs) Ridiculous.
0: I know but, what you mean yeah. by good
1: vibes. Sometimes there's no other phrase than good yeah, vibe for good, good vibe. Good
0: vibes and <laughs> took it all around the place, lots of different people's studios. And you know, I worked with so many great people on it.
1: The way that you talk about your music as well is that this sort of sense of autonomy, but also that anchor that you're, you know, the one common thread, obviously, throughout your music. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. But <laughs> that there is both uh, a sense of, of calm and assurance about that as much as a sense of risking it
0: all Mm.
1: because I guess you trust yourself.
0: Yeah, I think I've probably learnt that more than ever with this record is just to trust, just to quietly go forward. Yeah, I don't think I really questioned myself much at all. I didn't put myself through this bullshit. Uh, I mean not that I've done that with every record but um, this one particularly I just went. Forward, because I think before I made it, I was at a pretty low point and felt kind of shattered um, as an individual. I didn't really know who I was, or I didn't really know where I was going anymore. And so, to me, the process of this album was very much like, well, you know, you put one foot in front of the other, and you just literally you go, and you don't think about it. Obviously, you care about what you're doing, and you put everything into it, but the, the making of the, an album actually felt like a real relief, like an antidote to life, you know. Um, so there was a real beauty in the process and love of the process and the people within the process with me.
1: The writing of the album, the creation of this, was documented in a documentary that went to <laughs> air on ABC TV during Oz Music Month last last November. It was called Blasco. Um, and it captured, so named for you, yeah. captured a two-week residency at the Campbelltown Arts Centre.
0: We wrote day and night for five days and had already had some 20 ideas by the end of that week. Yeah. I like the ideas that were safe from scrutiny for now. They were just simple, infused with the fullness and character of a live performance. We laughed at ourselves and each other. We drank, danced... I sang things that made no sense yet. I let my guard down. The worry of not being able to come up with anything, of being stuck, was soon forgotten. The lights, the sound, the vision, the people, the atmosphere of that space was right. It did revive me.
1: It's fascinating to watch it now having heard the finished product of what that Mm. album would become and seeing just how fully formed a lot of these songs were in that Mm. two-week residency, when you're in the thick of doing it, uh, did you think to yourself, this is a good decision to let people into this, to let them see my world?
0: Well, yeah, when it was flowing really freely, it felt like a great idea that somebody was there filming, but then when (laughs) it was really tough, I just wanted to kill him basically Um, (laughs) because you want to protect the process because – to write songs, you have to really let yourself go, particularly when you're writing with other people. Um, you can't be self-conscious and you've kind of just got to be a bit of a fool sometimes and kind of go to these extremes to kind of work out, oh, okay, this is kind of what we want to go for. And so, yeah, to have someone capturing that sometimes it felt a bit like, you know, how is this aiding the process? Uh, it felt a little like it was getting in the way. I think I just feel happy that, you know, if somebody watches it and they see someone going through a bit of a difficult time and if someone's able to gain some kind of um, encouragement from that, then to me that seems like the best result from the documentary at least. But It's a public service you've given them. <laughs> no, I don't mean it like that because, um, you know, I don't want to watch it. <laughs> so. Have you watched it? <laughs> Um, well, yeah, I kind of got involved at a certain point. Um, Brendan really, I think he felt like the story wasn't as clear as he wanted it to be. And he wanted me to get involved in telling, you know, the story of what my story was. So I kind of um, narrated parts of it. So then I sort of ended up getting more involved than I'd planned to kind of thing. But then um, after I'd watched it a few times, I just, I couldn't watch it anymore. And I don't know, it's it's nice to watch the people that I love within it. You know, like I love watching my dad is hilarious and, and my friends Nick and Ben and Dave. But, yeah, it's not a pleasant experience to watch yourself, I don't think.
1: It's a pleasant experience for me to watch. look. I'm happy for you. (laughs) (laughs) And I do Um, recommend it. Uh, Maybe if you're not Sarah Blasco. It contains many breakthrough moments as well in this beautiful documentary, a real document of the making of the album that we're talking a little bit about here uh, with Sarah Blasco. She's taking five as well. Breakthrough songs throughout her life as a songwriter, as an artist, as a fan that have really (laughs) pushed her into new territories and we're going to begin with the legend that is PJ Harvey, To Bring You My Love is your first choice. How is it a
0: breakthrough for you? My sister is a few years older than me and, um, well, I guess my taste in music really changed when she started going to university and things that she was listening to really changed and this was the first PJ Harvey album that I got into. Um, yeah, I just think it has such a haunting beginning and it's just got such intent. Um I guess I really related to the kind of over-the-top sort of religious imagery um, within the song as well. Yeah. What do
1: you mean by intent? You're talking about the tone, mm. the lyrics, the whole thing because mm. PJ really has a, an intensity of intent in everything she does, doesn't she?
0: Yeah, I think it's it's all of those things. I think um – To write and produce a song like that requires a certain level of confidence because there's not a whole lot going on. It's quite simple in its essence. So I sort of see that as the intent, this like strong intent of, I don't need much, you know, here I am. Cast down all my news This next choice is Bjork's Venus as a Boy. I chose that one because that was the first song I remember seeing a video for of, of Bjork's and um, she kind of was like nobody else. And I loved the sort of this weird mix of like um, childlike quality and then this really sexual song, and it kind of just blew my mind. I I wanted to be Björk kind of immediately. Did you have the Björk fans? <laughs> Yeah, I did that. Um I was like, yeah, I was kind of a combination of Bjork, um, PJ Harvey and Tori Amos between the ages of like sixteen and eighteen.
1: Strong teo. <laughs> Just in terms of your record and what we were talking about before in terms of that, you know, the singular artist and it's all coming from you. Mm. You produce this record, obviously, you write all of it. Um when a songwriter releases a new album, people are often looking for for reasons and for connections to their
0: world, the real Mm.
1: world. But for you, how grounded in real things is songwriting?
0: Well, I think the springboard is whatever you're going through and the sort of themes that feel really important to you at that stage in your life. And then I think the amazing and wonderful thing about music and creating records is that the sky's the limit in terms of Dramatic as you want it to be, you know, you can take it into a whole other world. You know, as soon as you start adding a keyboard or you add a, you know, some strings or whatever it is, it just comes to life in this really dramatic fashion. So I, I really love that about music—that sort of transportive quality. And um, I think a lot of this record was the heightening of the mundane, you know, because like everyday life is full of drama and full of intrigue and weirdnesses and once you sort of start looking at things like that things become really absurd and fascinating and
1: you seem to be a big observer as well
0: i think i'm a quiet person by nature and um I love listening into people's conversations and I'm nosy. <laughs> Watch
1: I love out. hearing you ever a see smith- Sarah at a cafe. <laughs> She's totally eavesdropping.
0: yeah, I love it. I love catching just a snippet of what somebody says as you're walking past, and you hear some really bizarre things and really dark things sometimes and humorous. It's just completely out of context. Anything ever inspired Um, a song when you've been walking past? Yeah, there was something I wanted to write. I felt like I could write a whole script of a play out of. It was like a really dark conversation a guy was um, having with someone about his relationship while he was tossing a a ball to his child. It was like a really happy scene. Then he was having this really dark conversation about – Sound like the breakup of a marriage or wow. something really heavy, but he was like kind of smiling and throwing this ball, and I was like, whoa, you couldn't." I don't know. You just suddenly feel like you're watching somebody on a stage or something. I don't know. Is that weird? No, <laughs> it's really. I think everybody, you know, has those moments, right?
1: I love that you see the magical reali- realism in the everyday, though.
0: Well, you have to, don't you? <laughs> because otherwise, you just. Sort of stagnate. And I've got a fairly um, stable existence at the moment. I've never been so sort of rooted. I haven't travelled much in the last, so I've got, to tra- I've got to travel in my mind and my attitude. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, Sarah's just like sitting at home I'm looking sitting out at the, front, of, <laughs> the yeah. front window. I sit in a lot of parks these days because I have a kid and you see some really really dark and interesting things you know it's a perfect place to overhear conversations and see people of all walks of life uh in a park it's fascinating
1: yeah. not all of us turn that into amazing songs though <laughs> sarah Blasko. i don't know if i've done that but <laughs>
0: tell us about this next choice and
1: where tori amos fits into the mix with pretty good year as a breakthrough <laughs> song
0: yeah, well, this record, Under the Pink, I um, picked out of a, um, like a bargain bin at Big W, actually, is where I... Very strong. <laughs> I lived in the suburbs and that was how I bought a lot of my early music, was bargain bin shopping at Big W. Um, <laughs> if it's cheap, I'll well, get it. <laughs> well, all the good stuff, I think all of the interesting stuff actually was on sale because everyone wanted the top 40 things. Yeah. And so, yeah, I picked this out just by the cover alone. I thought, oh, that looks interesting. And then I think, yeah, I just sort of fell in love with it immediately. There's something in Tori Amos I really related to because she was um, she was a minister's daughter and, you know, there's a song on that record called God and she really had, obviously had a problem with um, the church and she was trying to process a lot of things that happened to her um, in her youth and that really spoke to me because that's kind of where I was at, um, at 17 or whatever it was. And I dyed my hair red. Um, yes. <laughs> I knew she wasn't a natural. Well, yeah, she's not a natural redhead, is she? I don't no, think so. I don't think so. <laughs> so I thought if she can pull off non-natural redheadedness, then maybe <laughs> I can. Um, so yeah, it really made me stand out in Caring Bar, um, <laughs>
1: which
0: is where I lived near Cronulla when I was a teenager.
1: It was such a bold album. I remember this, yeah. and I connected with it as well. It was just like a shot. Mm out of nowhere, wasn't it, when this record came
0: out? A lot of it's really based around the piano. The the production's not really, um, is sort of stripped back in a way, I think. Um, So I found something quite bold in that and it was like nothing I'd been listening to. This next song is Mazzy Star's "Into Dust."
1: Are we back into teenage Sarah years? Are oh, we yes. talking about "Into Dust"? Oh yeah,
0: I had the lights off in my room. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, smoking there. a jazz cigarette for this oh, one as unfortunately well? I wasn't. I th- I should have as a teenager. <laughs> I was just fresh out of religion. Um, no, I was just lying there sort of pretending I was stoned. Uh, <laughs> I could feel myself under your face. Yeah, so druggy and um, <laughs> I think this really caught my attention. Um, well, just how important mood is, like they just set such a mood. I think there's a real confidence in that as well. Like we were talking about before, it's just somebody saying, this is who I am. This is the kind of music I make. I have a real admiration for people who just stick on a path and that's who they are and they don't alter it. They don't feel the need to. I think there's a real confidence in that. But um, yeah, this, um, I guess it sort of has a 60s kind of vibe to it. But I think what I got from it was this really strong sense of mood and uh, they loved reverb on the <laughs> on that record. It's just swamped in reverb, and I kind of um, I loved that the moodiness of it all.
1: When you were in the midst of creating the songs in the very early stages, that we saw on this documentary, Blasco, there's a big part of it which is about playing music in a room as a live experience mm. and that dictating mm. how the songs were written. Yeah. Was that something that you approached differently with this record, that you were creating that mood mm. very early on as opposed to, you know, sitting in your undies at yeah. home alone in bed and, and writing a song with just you and your voice?
0: Yeah, well, I think that it it was just a little thing that I'd wanted to do for a while because sometimes you start writing a song in soundcheck, you know, with the guys that I've played with for years and there's something feels just immediately dramatic about that and um, far-reaching, you know. It feels like you could sing anything on the microphone and it would kind of sound good, you know. And I love that feeling of being on stage so much and that's my first love really because I sung on stage and sung before I started recording and so it felt like a really good sort of, Return to something of who I was, you know, and, and an encouraging thing, you know, to get back to basics of like, what do you love the most about playing music? And it's performing live. Um, so there was like a real electricity in the air to set it up in a kind of a, a live gig environment. And it was very inspiring. And we came up with lots of stuff. And yeah. And you've got one more choice for us. We're going to finish.
1: With the legend that is Kim Gordon at the front of mm. Sonic Youth. Swimsuit Issue is your final choice. Yes. How
0: is this a breakthrough song? Well, I just, I mean, in my sheltered uh, sort of suburban upbringing, I didn't, I never heard women sing like this. And um, just the anger, I suppose, of in her voice and the sort of, I mean, she's got a highly original voice, you know, she's not really like a singer in inverted commas, you know. Um, It was about self-expression and it just really hit home to me. So, yeah.
1: Sonic Youth Swimsuit Season, capping off a killer take five with Sarah Blasco. I always love chatting with Blasie about art. She remains one of the most talented and fearless songwriters I've ever met. And if you know someone who'd love to hear this chat too, please share the take five or leave a review in iTunes. It's the best way to help get these wonderful conversations out there, and I really appreciate everyone who has already. Next time, another big one. We're taking five with Beck. Over 13 albums, he's continually morphed what he does and how he does it. The theme I'm giving him? Leaps in music. Beck Hansen, taking five. Next time.
0: Hey, this is Amy Shark.
1: This is Joshua Hami. Hey, guys, Kate McCarthy here, taking five. Hey, this is Royal Blood. This is Kuchka. Hey, this is Sam. And this is Sarah. And today we're taking five. Hey, this is George Maple. Hi, this is Such Sense City. This is Rosie Waterland, and I'm taking five with Sam. The Take Five Podcast. The people you love play five songs they love and tell you why.